freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roy, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Yeah, rolling along here, Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Yeah, last night was just despicable. It really was. I ranted and raved Brock an hour ago. I'm feeling a little better now. I don't need to I don't need to get it all off my chest again. But that's a despicable loss. Cal Raleigh said after the game that, you know, they're not playing like a good team right now. He's right, except that he had the worst at bat of any of them in the tenth inning. And so it's it's challenging to hear some of that stuff. Cal's at bat was awful. Teoscar's at bat was awful. Francis at bat was awful. That coming an inning or two after they desperately tried to hit into a double play and finally succeeded, right? The pitching gave it up three times, even though, you know, they had put another really good start from Brian Wu. And that 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 team they're playing against mm. Dude, that's a bad team. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that's not a good but Mike, team They play all. really hard, and they compete, and, you know, they're in every game. <laughs> Enough. Enough. So it's time to get personal, okay? That's what the people want. People want personal. Take me into your thesaurus and just your 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 tweet last night, to, uh, and I'll, I'll take you into the house and, and how we took that in and everything else. What, what were we doing? Is it just you and Heather, a glass of wine, kids in bed? I don't drink any wine during the week. What are you, crazy? Oh, kids, sorry. Kids sorry. are up. Um, yeah, I'm just watching the game with Heather. The kids were sort of going to bed, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just a disgusting loss. And as I started writing all of the words that, that came to me about how disgusting, despicable, awful, <laughs> atrocious, et cetera, it was, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just alphabetize these. And I was like, well... And maybe it'll make me feel better to just <laughs> occupy my just brain in some other way. And so Heather and I just had some fun coming up with uh, 26 synonyms for how disgusting that oh, loss was. It's just tough. Just brutal. It's awful. Yeah, it, it just is yet another one of those where you're just like, you you need this. Okay, turn the corner. Just turn the corner. Let's go. You just you just get over the hump. This is another close game. This is an extra innings game. You're four and seven in these moments. And, okay, we get the bases loaded. That's terrific. I thought the game was over. I did too. You I got like two, three, and four. Clear. The game is over. Julio Rodriguez walks. Then you, you you get the bases loaded at that point. And nobody out. Nobody out and a pitcher that can't throw strikes. Correct. The game's over. That game is over. It should It should not even be a question. And if they had stood there like corpses in the batter's box, they would have won the game. Literally, just stand there. That guy's not throwing three strikes. No all. chance. Nope. And instead, all three guys got themselves out. None worse than Cal Raleigh, who swung at a 2-0 pitch that was two feet out of the zone and check swinged it back. For I mean, like, that's just an atrocity. That's oh. awful, awful baseball. So I'm going to take you in two directions, Brock. Okay. You want to, I'm sorry. Did you want to take me into your home? Oh, it was okay. We were all Titus had football practice in the morning, had baseball practice at night. He's sitting on the couch. Molly's. On the couch texting, I'm in the I'm in the chair. I'm about to get in my horse stance. I'm like, I'm not getting in my horse stance. It's not a big enough moment. All right. This is mid season. I'm not I save my horse stance for big moments. All right. By the way, every time you say that, I think you're saying horse dance. Well, that too. Either way, because then I yeah, then I dance around the room, I prance around the room, <laughs> get all excited and everything else and go, Okay. So So I'm just sitting there and I like you. I'm like, okay. 
And, and in fact, I think one of France's first like foul balls, I'm like, okay, just flare it to right field. Right. That's kind just, of what I thought. I was like, oh, there yeah. you go. Ball game. There you go. Ball game. Just yep. going to flare one to right and field. And it just drifted and, to uh, foul that's territory. Foul. Yeah. That's foul. And then he strike. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Not t- Come on, Tao. Just, you know, and he's and Tao's been great. I know. He's been fouling Here's off moment, pitches. Buddy. Here you go. Just, and again, he had the same. He had like the same fly ball to right field. Yep. And it just goes foul. And then he swings at a pitch three feet off. Just check swing. Like, oh, no. Dear God. No, please, no. Please. Which I thought he had held up on, and then I saw the replay. I was like, yeah, he, no. No, no he, nah, he, it's he a strike. Really, but didn't. the cow one is just, come on. Oh, and then I'm like, okay, this guy's going to melt. Oh, there's two balls. Here's ball three. Oh, my gosh. He just swung a ball three, like, in his chest. I know. It's three and oh. I know. It's just terrible. I, I mean, okay, so. so let me take you in two directions. I got the, I've got the bad and the frustrating. So here's the bad. After the game, Cal Raleigh was asked what was going on right now and said this. It wasn't, it wasn't just the hitting tonight. It was, it was everything. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's what it's been all year. You know, we get into these, these key moments. We get a guy on the ropes. And then, you know, we, we let him off with, you know, one pitch. And then he kind of gets rolling. Next guy gets strike out. And then, you know, the jack swing obviously wasn't great. But, um you know, we're just we're just not putting together good at bats right now. We got change, so we're not putting together good at bats right now, and that's got to change. Contrast that to sound that we played literally yesterday from his teammate Jared Kelnick. Twelve hits usually gets it done. Did today. Um, we're, I think we're having really good at bats as a team. Um, I don't think we're chasing as much as maybe we were two weeks ago, um, and myself included, uh, which is great. Um, but, you know, I think as a team, we're playing really good baseball. And we went through a rough stretch, but I think now we're on the, the right path. And that's why yesterday. Dude, that's 24 hours. I know. And the, but that is why I'm getting texts last night. This game broke, broke me. Right? I'm getting texts this morning. Someone needs to shatter a bat. Right? I'm getting just because people are like, okay, at what point can you actually back it up back-to-back days? 48 hours. 72 hours. Right? When, and last night felt like. You're going to pay off everything Jared just said right there because Teo had some amazing at-bats during the game, and he's fouling off pitches, and, and Suarez looks much more competent, and he's seeing the ball, and you know you just see these things, and then you're like, okay, great. And you almost felt like, yeah, man, just the, the baseball, just the way baseball works, here we go. The night before, you get a gift on a third strike that was two feet outside the plate, and now you get these this extra inning monkey off your back. Mm-hmm. Get it off your back. Because the bases get loaded, the guy makes a mistake to get Julio on, and uh, you know, and it's two, three, and four in your lineup. Three, four, five. Yeah. Excuse me. Three, four, and five in your lineup. Right there. Right there. Put it together. Get a good at bat. Just put put the ball. Put the ball in play. Put it to the outfield. Just sack fly. Just just do it. Just you know, protect the plate. Don't swing it stuff two feet off the plate. And you just can't. And then you just, you knew it, and I knew it, and Maura knew it, and Justin knew yeah, it, and everyone mean, so, in the so, building so, knew so it. When you are, let somebody off the hook like that, and, yes. and, and you're going to give them Rock, another there's opportunity. Also a, there's another group of people right now, as frustrated as you and I are about that, there's another group of people right now that are going, the 10th? How about the fact that in the 9th, the last two at-bats were taken by Dylan Moore and Colton Wong with the game on the line? Yeah, that too. I mean, like, that's another perfectly reasonable argument to be made. Yep. You're telling me the game's on the line and it's Dylan Moore and Colton Wong that have the two biggest at-bats of the game yep. to that point? Yep. Like, that's problematic in its own right. So there's a lot of bun- there's a ton of reasons to be frustrated. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you something that will make people mad at me instead of mad at, at the team. Oh, good. People like that. When in doubt, I'll be the lightning rod. Come get mad at me. 
I'm reading from it, baseball by reference. The way, by the way, your stash looks so good. Oh, God, that's disgusting. Dude, Get seriously? that out of here with those you, stash garbage. You look like Tom Selleck. Ugh. Huh? Hideous. Don't you think he? I don't know what it was. It brought out your features. Disgusting. Absolutely <laughs> gross. He Justin, hates, didn't he look good yep, with that stash? And he hates to admit it. He knows. He knows it's true. That is it. Senior. How do I say it? Senior Paracci. Powerful. Senior Paracci on Twitter that put a put a, a stash on us, and you looked handsome. No, thank you. Yes. So much of my authority is derived from these. I guess that's his lips, not his Twitter mustache. Twitter was a fan of yours. It Rob's was. Not so much. No. That's disgusting. I look ab- absolutely revolting. Very creepy. It just couldn't be more disgusting. Are you sure you want to read this from Baseball Reference? Why don't you read no. it to Shannon? Why don't you read it to Shannon? You want me to read it to Shannon? Minutes? You want me to hold yeah, off? Yeah, let's save it. Let's let's read it to Shannon in twenty minutes. All it is is all it is is numbers, though. Sure, people are gonna get very mad when I read it. <laughs> yes. People are gonna get so mad when I yeah. read this. Just wait twenty minutes. All right, wait twenty minutes, and I will make you mad. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on seven ten. Need to know. Fifteen minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. I thought I had it all out of my system, Brock. I thought I was done ranting and raving about last night. I don't know that I am. It was really that gross. It was one of those losses that sticks with you for a little while. And it's funny because there wasn't a meltdown. Usually the like gut punch losses are big meltdowns, like the one against Kansas City last year where the bullpen just totally melted down. It wasn't that, although the bullpen did give it up three times. It didn't feel like a bullpen meltdown. It felt like every opportunity to take advantage of their bullpen that was trying to continue to melt down, and somehow you let them off the hook every single time. We should have won the game. Uh, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, really disappointing. Uh, you put yourself in a position to win it like that, and we've had that game happen to us a couple times uh, here at home in extra innings. It's something that you know we prided ourselves on being really good in those spots, and we haven't been this year. Um, doesn't mean we won't be again, but so far we've had all kinds of opportunities to, to win that game. And it's happened to us a few times, so it's um, not really much to say. Well, he did go on to say more, and I think that he uses a great word here to describe what those at-bats look like in big moments. We got a little anxious. There's no question. Um, you know, with, and Julio took the walk. We had a good at-bat, and they had the, you know, the... Uh, automatic ball four, whatever happened there. So you got the bases loaded. And, um, you know, there were some pitches to hit. But overall, the guys, uh, you know, got a little anxious. You get anxious and you want to make it happen so bad. Um, you foul pitches off that you should put in play or you swing at some pitches you shouldn't swing at. And um, ultimately, in those moments, you know, you got to take a deep breath, relax, let the game come to you. Um, and, and we have failed to do that. Anxious. Yeah. yeah. That's... I mean, that, that is just spot-on analysis. It, it really is. There's a 2-1 count to Ty France. You're, you're up in the count, 2-1 with the bases loaded. The place is jacked. The pitcher is struggling. And he throws you a cement mixer at the top of the zone, and you swing for the fences. I mean, you swing. You're, I wish we could see, kind of like on these video games, right, in, in Madden football, when you do your kickoff and you take the, ball, the thing back and you try to maximize, and you maximize all your power to kick it as far as it feels like in those moments – Trying to still swing as hard as you can. Mm-hmm. Just put the barrel on the ball. Put it in play. Put it to the outfield. Continue to put the pressure on them. And you know what, Salt? I still. Part of me is, you know, we're 15 minutes in this morning. Part of me is like, I'm I'm still so thankful that I can get this worked up. I'm still so thankful that this can. I, I really am. 
that I care this much. Yeah, because, Brock, the problem is a few more games like this. I know. And you're not going to get worked up. I know. You're just going to be like, yeah, whatever. I know, because I still get worked up, and I still, frankly, have flashbacks to the last two years. I have flashbacks to even Abraham Toro had walk-off hits. And Dylan Moore had big moments, and the team rushing the field. And honest to goodness, as I'm sitting there last night watching, I'm like, okay, is it going to be Ty France if they go mall? Is it going to be Tao? Here we go. Here's 500. Here's another winning series. Here's taking care of a bad team. Here, here it is. Here's the turning point. And unfortunately, that anxiety came through once again. They fail in the biggest moment. Yep. And now you're two games under 500 and hope to win the series against the bad Nationals team today. Well, they do have a day game and a chance to win the series again, which, you know, sounds sort of silly coming off of last night. But they do. 110 start. It'll be Logan Gilbert against Patrick Corbin. Big name, but not having a very good season. A big ERA to go with that name. Here's the second thing you need to well, know. Well, the transaction news wasn't much better for the Mariners Ooh. yesterday. Trevor Gott was activated. That's good. Although he gave up three runs in the 11th. That wasn't as good. Uh, they finally DFA'd Chris Flexen. That had to happen, man. That I was saying this the other day. That roster spot was just being essentially wasted by a guy that was just not pitching well enough to be in the majors right now. I don't know what happens next. I can't imagine anybody's going to trade for him. Does somebody want to use a roster spot on him? Maybe. I mean, there's enough pitching holes out there that maybe somebody will just give him a shot. And if not, he probably ends up in AAA Tacoma, where the news was not much better yesterday. Taylor Dollar done for the year. Labrum surgery. Penn Murphy, he's done for the year. He's going to have Tommy John. And then Marco Gonzalez is experiencing some nerve issues, Brock, in that arm. So he's been shut down entirely here for two weeks. Yeah, you know, one of my takeaways from my fishing trip the other day on Monday was these, these kids at 13 throwing in the upper 70s. Right, it's just this velo, this velo, this velo. It's high school kids throwing 98. It's college kids throwing 102, and it's 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 arm injuries at the major league level like we've never seen before. And now that's coming to roost in your own organization, you know. And, and just reading through that, and those are just Matthew Boyd. Did you see that as well? Our buddy Matthew Boyd. Yeah. He goes to Detroit, pitched great for the Mariners last year in August, September playoffs as a reliever. Detroit signs him. And he's got to have Tommy John surgery, man. Something is amiss. Yep. Jeff Passan wrote about it years ago, wrote a terrific book. Salk and I couldn't recommend the arm to you more more, more enough. Good book. Than, it's, it's a tremendous, best-selling book. And if you got a young pitcher as a kiddo, read it. Read it. I don't know if it'll make you feel any better. And these <laughs> injuries read it or, make or maybe you, don't read it. <laughs> well, these injuries certainly make you, you feel worse. You say you were on a fishing trip last week? I didn't heard you mention that. Fishy, huh. fishy, fishy! Here's the third thing you I sent you that one time. Yeah, we're going to have to play that uh, coming up. I have well, that. that. Don't worry. Wyman. I'd hear Fishy Fishy with Wyman. Oh, that's Wyman. Ernie. Oh, wow. Yeah, you think it's Ernie? Ernie and Wyman have a lot in common. I'd say maybe Wyman and Bert have a little bit more in common. At least. I think. Well, I mean, my head shape's more like Bert. That's true. Looks-wise, but yes. personality-wise, I don't know. <laughs> NHL draft tonight from Nashville. Kraken currently at number 20. They also have three second-rounders and a host of other picks tomorrow as well in the later rounds. How many of them do they make? I don't know. How many do they get dealt? We'll see. They're certainly in a position to go in any number of directions. Pierre Lebrun reporting yesterday on TSN that the Kraken were one of three teams actively engaged in some talks for Sharks defenseman Eric Carlson, who's a really good standout player. 
just won his third Norris Trophy. Uh, Brock is the league's best defenseman. Big contract, so you got to pay for him, but they've got cap space. So if you really want to get more dominant, and he'll help you in a variety of ways on the power play, etc. He's a really, really good player. And we'll talk to Coach Dave Haxtell coming up here in a little over an hour at 830. Yeah, the trade winds are moving a little bit in the NHL. Oh, huh? yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some some movement going on there. The, the big night tonight, the, 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 those Kraken of yours have 10 different draft picks. Speculation, I know you chatted about this yesterday, early yesterday morning, that possibly they package some of those and, and they go up. That was Rob Simpson, your buddy that was on with us, yep. talking about that opportunity. So we shall see. It'll be an exciting night. I can't wait to talk to the coach in, what, an hour? Just right over now? an hour, 8.30. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, there you go. That's everything you need to know. Uh, Brock yesterday told some stories out of school about uh, Dave Wyman and called him a violent snorer. I'd, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think it was too far out. But of you called him violent. You, you said that well, his snoring was he violent. He had the text line lighting up with like diagnosis. Right. They sure. were they were saying he was had had sleep apnea and needed a CPAP. Right. Well, when you snore like this, <laughs> and you like attacking your snore, right. something's going on. Well, Wyman uh, responded yesterday. Oh. Brock can be like you know this. He can be very like a pest, right? So we're on the what? boat. And, you know, I'm reeling in a fish, and Brock's over there going, come on, Dave, with the loud yeah, clap and everything. Was, he was the motivational speaker on yeah. the boat. Yeah. I was like, shut up, Brock. But then, and then one time, I'm reeling a fish in, and it's like a critical time. You're trying to get it in the net, and Brock's over there trying to kiss me on the cheek while I'm pulling the, the fish in. So, yeah, he was, uh, he was like the annoying little brother. That guy is a very special dude, and having him back here at the, at the station's been awesome. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. That was nice at the end. Thank you. He's right about that. Having played golf with you and done other things, the clapping and the encouragement is unbelievably annoying. Nope, that's very true. (laughs) Very true. People with personalities like you and Dave don't like that. No. Not at all. Uh-uh. It's weird because Salkin said how much he loves like tough coaching and uh-huh. some of that. Right. I don't want encouraging. No, coaching. he loves tough coaching. Oh, I, I want my coach to yell yeah. at me. Oh yeah. I want my coach to make me work harder. I don't want my you coach to clap at me. You think you could pull in me. that fish? Right. No. That would help me. Yes, that would work for me. Yell yep. at me. I don't want any of this you don't loud want, clapping. You don't want Barnabas. And, no, no, you don't want the encourager. What's Barnabas? Oh, he was a great encourager. The great encourager. The great encourager. Is that his epithet. Yeah, that's just too Barnabas. I'm going to have to go look that up. Uh, Well, Shannon Dreyer will join us next. Do you think she could clap as loudly as Brock? Hard to fathom, but uh, we will talk to her. And, Brock, I'm going to read this. I'm going to make people mad. I don't care. I am going to lightning rod this thing. Get mad at me, not the team. We'll do it next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports Sports out. All right, Shannon's going to join us in just a sec. We're going to get some news stuff done and also her reaction to the just pathetic, awful loss we saw last night. Uh, I said I would, uh, you know, take a bullet, man. I don't mind, Brock. I don't mind taking a bullet for people now and again. Sure. And instead of getting mad at the Mariners, you can get mad at me because I'm going to read you something that's going to make people mad. And I, I promise you, I'm just reading it directly from baseball reference. But the Mariners' record right now is 38 and 40. 38 and 40. Mm-hmm. 38 and 40. Mm-hmm. They have scored 352 runs. They've given up 327. Mm. Baseball reference does what's called their Pythagorean win loss. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's right. That's how you find the uh, hypotenuse of a triangle, as I'm yeah. sure you're aware. Mm-hmm. But the Pythagorean win-loss 
tells you what your record should be given how many runs you've scored and how many runs you've given up. The Mariners Pythagorean, just according to what they've done this year, is 42 and 36. If they were 42 and 36, essentially bad luck costing them four games, they would be half a game out of the wild card spot and five and a half back at Texas. Perfect? No. They haven't played great, but they would be right there, mm-hmm. right? And then you would say, okay, go out and add a bat, and you could absolutely leapfrog those teams and maybe even run down Texas, depending on what happens. And I know that a lot of people are going to be furious when I say that, and for good reason. A lot of those losses have not looked like luck. They've looked a whole lot like terrible at bats like we saw last night in the biggest moments. Anxiety that Scott mentioned from their batters in the, in the big spots. I, I see the same thing you do. I'm not necessarily, I'm not telling you that my eyes are telling me anything different than you. But there are a group of statisticians in the world, many of whom are connected to baseball, that read this and say, that's bad luck. It's just cluster luck, man. You go out and score runs and give up runs. And when those happen is completely random. There is no, there is no clutch. There is no in the moment. There's just scoring runs and giving up runs. And because the Mariners are scoring more than they're giving up, they should have a 42 and 36 record right now. But they don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of all that. I'm going to just put it out there as a conversation. And I know there's a lot of people who are going to be super mad when they hear it. But there is a legitimate argument by smart people to be made that they've just been unlucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same argument they make and give you those odds during the game that you have an 81% chance to win this game. No, they're not. That's eh, different from that. Eh, no, eh, it's not that. It's not the same as that. Oh, you don't think so? No. You don't think those numbers are driven by history and driven by data and driven by stats? You think that's just somebody sitting in their office going, oh, oh right. Yeah, but but those numbers are, here's what teams in this spot have done in the past. That's right. And but here's I don't, what I don't teams buy that. with this run differential have done record-wise in the past. I guess there's, yeah, all right, fine. I'll buy that. I don't know that I see it quite the same way, but right. I, I think those two things are fairly different. But whatever. Yeah. Let's bring Shannon into the conversation. Shannon Dreyer, our Mariners insider. Hi, Shannon. Good morning. Is it? <laughs> no. What was, it, what was it like sitting down there right by the feet? Hold you're on the a second. Hold on. Night. Shannon, you played that so well. Because I'll say that to Salk every once in a while. And he'll be like, but is it? Good morning. But is it? I haven't said that in forever because I you know always you, imitate me. I know. you're and a she, jerk about it, so I never say it anymore. Shannon, you just crushed it right there. Is it? No, it's not. Shannon, front row seat for that uh, gem at the end last night. You must have been down there getting ready to do your walk-off interview. What did you see up close and personal? Well, the good news was there were three security guards in front of me, and for a time, one of them was about six foot five. So I saw absolutely none of it, which was good. Um, and when I was able to get upstairs and get out the savant and look at the pitches that they saw in that 10th inning, that was not good at all. But, yeah, I mean, it was brutal because you're down there and it is one of those walk-off situations. So every at-bat, you're just waiting to see what happens to figure out who you're going to talk to. It's a split-second decision. But surely, surely you are going to be talking to somebody at the end of that game. And, unfortunately, no. You know, we turned around, walked up the tunnel into the clubhouse and uh, got to listen to Scott's service just Really, really, you know, he is as frustrated as everybody is. And then I wasn't in there. The sound was sent to me because I had to do the postgame show from Cal Raleigh. But he is as frustrated as all of us are. 
Um, it was a horrendous loss, and it was a disappointing loss, and it was a concerning loss in that, you know, we keep talking about the corner that they need to turn, and, it, you know, they used to kind of kind of inch up to it, and then, nah, not yet. Now it almost seems like they're running away from that corner. And, uh, you know, just, just a tough, tough, as tough of a loss as they've had this year. Well, you got this sound sent to you. We played it in the opening segment for those of us just, uh, for those just jumping on. Scott Service after the game used a word that, I don't know, have we, have we heard it this season? So I, I can't remember him. He's had to be a wordsmith like you were on Anxious. Twitter last night. Yeah. And, you know, Scott talking about in that moment and those at bats just being anxious. Do you agree? Yeah. And the thing that's really frustrating about that is, uh, particularly in the 10th inning, you had your guys up. You weren't at the bottom of the order. You had Three, your four, guys five. up. Three, four, five. And these were guys who have done this before. It's not like this is some situation they haven't been in. And they, they've excelled at it. They excelled at it last year. So why? Why is that anxiety there right now? And, you know, why, when you see a pitcher be as wildly off as Weems was last night, why are you just not waiting until he gets into the zone? Even take one. I mean, if, if you take one, it isn't perhaps that calming you down a little bit if you are a little bit jumpy at that point? Isn't it at that point, okay, we're going to have to go to work here. But why not just take that step back and see if he can, you know, if he can just get himself into more trouble right there. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it was two different games, too. You know, they came through early. They had a mistake early with the error. But then they were able to put the runs up on the board and kind of the way you'd like to see with Teoscar Hernandez hitting another home run. Eugenio Suarez was sacked fly a little bit later in the game. And then nothing. And then nothing against a pitcher who was so obviously struggling. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I, a bunch of different ways I can go. Yesterday, Brock and I had the conversation about sort of leadership in this clubhouse and and how important it was. And Brock made what I thought was a very good point about kind of leaving Julio hung out to dry a little bit without getting him people around him to protect him a little bit in, in terms of the clubhouse leadership stuff this offseason. And at some point I just said, well, you know what? Shouldn't Carlos Santana be available again? The, the Pirates have lost nine of ten. Do you try that route again and just bring him back and see if it can help? I don't know what that's going to do. I mean, Julio at this point, has got a full season, a season and a half under his belt. He's seen everything. Um, I think these are things that he needs to figure out on his own. Uh, you know, last year you kind of joked Ty France was his babysitter. Julio, I don't think needs a babysitter right now. And with everything that he's got going on in his in his life, and a lot of these things are put on him, um, some by the Mariners, some by MLB, a significant part of it by MLB, and a lot by himself. You know, he wants to be that superstar. Well, he needs to figure that out then. You know, he's got all the support in the world uh, in in terms of an organization that supports him and a league that supports him, his own staff that he has that supports him. Uh, to me... I don't think he needs somebody uh, to keep an eye on him right now in, inside the clubhouse and tell him about situations and things like that. I, I think that this is something that, you know, if he's going to be with you forever, he needs to be Julio in that, not, not kind of being led <laughs> in, in that direction. I, I think in some ways, yeah, I mean, this is a lot of pressure to put on a kid that's got one year in the big leagues one spectacular year in the big leagues with spectacular talent 
But I think at this point of the game, I think if you'd done it at the beginning of the game and just kind of continued what you were doing last year, it would be one thing. But at this point, I think that he needs to figure it out. Uh, Shannon Dreher here with us. Shannon, from your vast experience covering this team and so many different ballplayers over the last few decades, what is the anecdote for anxiety in those moments? The anecdote or the antidote? Antidote, sorry, Paul. Not, not, not <laughs> a story. You. I don't need another story. I've seen this. What, okay, I was trying to think. No, no I've seen enough of those. Easier. Well, if you want to share an anecdote about the <laughs> antidote for anxiety, you can do that as well with via a player or somebody else through the years. Yeah, years ago I had to play a trumpet jury, and I'd never done one before, and I had the piece known inside out, and I stepped into the room to do it, and I was so, I, I got hit by anxiety that I didn't know was there, that I passed out, and thankfully my company has caught the trumpet. Um, yeah, sometimes that gets you, and what you have to do in that moment, that's the antidote. The anti- antidote, the antidote, you know, I think it's just what I just said. You've got to give yourself a minute, you've, you've done all of the preparation. You've been there before. You're wondering why this is happening. But in those situations, you do have to slow things down. And they have all sorts of mental ways that they do that. I don't know which players are faithful to that and which players aren't. But I also think that, you know, maybe in the situation where they're at right now, you do have to maybe take a step backwards where maybe you trust all those guys who are coming up in that situation and it doesn't have to be, an, you know, explicit, go up there and do this, but maybe a reminder before they go up to the plate and, and do that. And maybe that helps at that point. You know, hey, this guy's way off. Make him throw you a strike. Take a strike, as I said before. And, again, maybe that's going to slow things down for them a little bit at the plate. I don't think there is a, a sweeping answer that you can, you know, give to the whole club, do this. Uh, you've got a lot of individuals out there. You work with them differently. I know they're working tires, tirelessly with all of them. But in that situation, you pure and simple have to remember what your plan is. You have to slow things down, and we're just not seeing it. And you can see from their reactions, too. They know the minute they've done it. Cal knows that he had no business swinging at that pitch. Teoscar is absolutely disgusted when he misses that pitch or when he does it misses the pitch in the middle of the plate and, and fouls it off, three of them and swings at a pitch that we haven't really seen him swing at in, what, 10 days now? Mm-hmm. They know, but they got to know going up to the plate. Okay, do you want an excuse that, that actually just hit me as you were sharing both your anecdote and your antidote? Do you want to you know? And, and Tony Dungy, all over the walls, was no excuses, no explanations. So I'll preface it with that. But if I'm going to make an excuse, and I don't think we've said this through 80 games to your why, why? Because he can't slow the game down. Because they can't step out of the box. I know they get one timeout, and that's usually with two strikes. But is it possible for a team that thrived in these moments for the last two years that actually because of this pitch clock and because this game moves that you don't have, it's not on your terms anymore to slow the game down to a point that you're comfortable with. Now you are a prisoner to that clock. Now then you have to slow it down before you step into the box. Well, it almost cost Jared a strike last night because he was he was trying to listen to the, he was trying to listen to the music, <laughs> you know. So even that is dictated a little bit. Like, hey, let's go, you know. Like, oh, some of that got, stuff is dumb. That that ball they called for Julio is dumb. That's a dumb call. I'm not saying it was the wrong call, but it's a dumb call. He didn't deserve that that ball there. That's dumb. Well, that's why I've been against the time clock in the final innings of a game. I don't yes. want games. You know, I don't want them determined by that. And you need more time. 
And that yes. goes for the hitters, too. Yes. In those big moments, I feel like you need that time. And as a viewer, I'm good with them having that time yep. in those minutes. Build yeah. up the drama at that yes. point. I don't want to see it in the third inning. I do want to see it in the ninth, the tenth, possibly the eighth as well. I'm I'm 100% with you on that, Shannon. Totally agree. Now, that cuts that. both ways, right? Like that pitcher, once he's out of it, too, yeah. like he doesn't have a chance to, you know. So, but I mean, I'm not, but they, again. They should both have the opportunity to be at their best. Yep. In that moment, yep. late in the game, no, I just yeah, I'm with Shannon on that. I do got to ask you something quickly though, Shannon. Here, um, we heard Scott now a couple of times talk about, well, at least the other day, say that they were really praising them for being selfless. Left unsaid is if the good is selfless, the bad is selfish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not intentionally. Sometimes, again, they don't always have the. the they're anxious at the plate and they go up there and you see it when they're coming back. Yes. I just sometimes think they can't help themselves at the plate, but yes, if, if you want to go up there and if you were swinging for the fences, instead of trying to, you know, move the runner along or get the double play ball, that's going to score the run or put the, you know, put the ball where it needs to be. That is absolutely selfish. And when they don't do that, you see games are not always going to score two runs like or 10 runs plus like they did at New York and Baltimore, but you're going to have those longer innings. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that that, when you heard Cal's comments, I think it, it, a lot of it goes to that. What are we doing? You know, they to a man understand what can happen when they do give themselves up and at bats and they move the line around long and, and bring in the runner from third base. They all get that. They all understand how important that is. They just can't seem to get there in a lot of these situations. Well, it was frustrating yesterday, man. I got to tell you, that that one really kind of got under my skin in a way that not every loss does. That that is a game, and as Scott said afterwards, they absolutely should have won. I know they'll go out there today and and have an opportunity to still win a series, and we can talk about the Pythagorean saying they should be four games better than they are. But, man, that stings. And good teams have bad games. But, man, they sure didn't look like it last night. Shannon, thank you. We'll talk later. You got it. All right, don't forget, you can read Shannon Dreyer uh, at seattlesports.com. She writes there, and she does the pregame, and she does all of our Mariners insider mm. stuff, and she's phenomenal. Yep. And right now it's time for Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox's Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. I think I've asked you this before, Brock, but with all of the baseball issues with throwing a baseball, how come we don't see Tommy John or any of those issues throwing a football? Yeah, it's the forces at play. It's the forces at play. And Tom House right now, a guy that I really uh, study, listen to, I'm actually going to go to one of his clinics. I'm not going to quite get certified in that, but I want to learn even more. Was, because that, he, was that Brady's coach? He's He is pitchers all over the country. He's Tom Brady, Drew Brees. He's quarterback, guru. He's just the biomechanical right. guy when it comes to throwing both a football and a baseball. And in, in so much of what he preaches, you're seeing put into practice. And you know what it is? It is speed off of that mound. Go back and watch the guys in the 70s and 80s with the big old slow windups, right? And it's kind of like golf swings. You know, if you would have measured the guys' golf swings back in the day, the swing speed, I know that Nicholas was ahead of his times, but if you were to measure those things compared, Salk, to the swing speeds of these guys, and why do you think Bryson DeChambeau's body breaks down and Tiger's body? I, I mean, there may be other factors in place, but certainly the amount of force 
And when you watch these guys come down the mound, his whole thing is speed. He's got a spectrum that this thing should be from the time you start your delivery to the time you release it, right around a second. And and then it's the, the force with all that that happens, the strength that these guys add. Yeah, and that's not football. Football, while you need a quick release, is you're not coming downhill, number one, so you don't have that gravitational force. Number two, the weight of a football is so much easier on your elbow and your other joints, especially your elbow. And there's a reason why Nolan Ryan threw a football. Do you know why he threw a football? A lot of so guys he, do. he could work on his deceleration, that the football actually strengthened your deceleration muscles where a baseball doesn't. So multitude of factors, not seeing anywhere near the arm issues, though. Having said that, and we hit this with Matthew Stafford in Blue 88 last year, you know, when you start throwing a football and you're just flicking that football and you're getting none of your body into it, as those guys are doing, was I surprised he had elbow issues? No. Nope, because there is so much more force put on the football when you're at three-quarters of sidearm versus coming over the top and using your body. But not like we're seeing in baseball in devastating news yesterday from Justin Hollander on the number of arm injuries, unfortunately, at the major league level and the minor league level for your Mariners. Question number two. Maybe this should have been number three. Bobby Wagner listed as the third best linebacker in football. A, is that true? B, will we see a different Bobby here this year than we saw before he left? Yeah, I felt like some of those rankings in the day with Bobby, right? We talked about this in 18, 19, 20, 21 at times were a little like, well, you watch every play. The highlights are awesome, but taking on every block on every single play, I don't know if he's doing that like Levante David or or some of the others in the league are doing it. Part of that's because the bar was set unbelievably high that he put in his Hall of Fame career. So number three feels a little rich, but that's based on stats last year, numbers last year, splash plays last year, impacts last year, and the fact, Salt, that there aren't 15 elite linebackers in this league. I don't even think there's 10. (laughs) So he still, from his pedigree and his past, yeah, is worthy of pretty high rankings. Will he be different in 21? I think so. I mean, it's a contract year. Yeah. He joined us after he signed that contract and said, unfortunately, the linebacker market is like the running back market. Deflated. Guys took less right right out the jump. And because of that, his number was, what, six, six and a half million on a one-year deal? I think he still believes that he's got three, four years of football ahead of him. Good. In a contract year where you're incentivized, I still think incentivization works in football. Questioning in baseball, I think you're going to see a different Bobby taking on some of those blocks. Youth all around him. Yeah, I think Bobby's going to be better in 23 than he was in 21 as a Seahawk. All right, question number three. We've heard that Pete is very, very opposed to hard knocks, right? We've heard that for quite some time. Yep. Is it fair? Should he be? I mean, does he really have proprietary practices that are that different from everybody else? The way he treats his players is different than most in the league. Many have adopted, many have followed. I remember talking to Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, Ed Orgeron, people that worked for Pete, and they would all say the same thing, man. He's the straw. We could try to mimic it, and Lane and Steve and Ed and many of his that have followed have tried to mimic it and right have fun in team meetings and play fun sound and bring in different people. And But you know what's proprietary? His authenticity. He is the one. He's the composer. He's not the one that's trying to then play the music. He's writing the music. And I don't think he wants anybody to see the way he goes about treating players, what team meetings are like, how he comes to, you know, put those things together, nor 
nor probably, Mike, in, in where Hard Knocks is at its best, <laughs> when they're, you know, in the meeting rooms with all of the scouts and John Schneider and everybody. He doesn't want, doesn't want any of that out. And I don't blame him. And know what? He keeps going to the playoffs. He's not going to have to be forced to be on Hard Knocks either. That's for sure. All right, there you go. That is today's Blue 88. Remember, we do that every morning at 745. And we've been doing it forever, uh, basically. A lot, of, a lot of time spent doing Blue 88. Pretty fun stuff. Almost since the very, very so, beginning. So, uh, qu- question for you. Yeah. Two, qu- two quick questions. One of them is Blue 88-esque in that it's just information. If Flexen doesn't get picked up anywhere, yep. and I don't know how or why anyone would pick him up based on his production this season to take on that contract, do they just eat? And he, and he can decline the minors. In his deal, he can say, "I'm nope. Well, so he wouldn't though. So, so here's how it would look. He has they have ten days to trade him. Okay, Okay? so if you can, I think it's ten days. You have a certain number of days. I think it's ten. Designate him for assignment. Right, certain window where you can trade. Yeah, it might it might be less than ten, but you know what I mean. They get a certain number of days to trade him. If they don't, he is released. At that point, any team in the league can pick him up for the major league minimum, and the Mariners cover the rest. If but in order to do it, they got to put him on the forty man roster. If nobody does that, then he takes a, he can be assigned to to Tacoma, Tacoma. Tommy Malone and some of the others. Right. Again. And yeah. and and at that point, yes, he could, I guess, opt out and go somewhere else. But he'd still be in the minor leagues with somebody else. So right. I don't know that he would choose that uh, other than sure he wouldn't want to be somewhere else where he's not then have Brian Wu and Bryce Miller. I don't know, maybe I mean, all these guys blocking it, it's, him. I guess a possibility. Yeah. But, you know, I, I would be I don't uh, he's not going to get traded. I can't imagine anybody gives anything up. Does anybody want to give up a roster spot in the 40 man forum? I mean, if there's a team that has a spare 40 man spot, maybe. I mean, pitching maybe. still is a premium. And if somebody can get him figured out, yeah. the irony is if he goes back to AAA with the Mariners, they'll probably get him figured out. Like they just, you know, for all of the conversations and the issues they've had developing hitting, they've done an incredible job figuring about pitching, mm-hmm. developing it, in, acquiring it, improving it, everything you're supposed to do. Yep. And if they send Chris Flex, Flex him back and get him away from the pressure cooker being in the big leagues, they probably get him figured out and he's probably a benefit again. Yeah, man, it's the dichotomy of this team. The pitching end of it, the developmental end of it, all of that, the trading end of it, the pitching is just outright phenomenal. It was once again last night. So that's the other thing in, in this uh, in this baseball side. reference thing. And I don't know whether you looked at this. Maybe you care. Maybe you don't. And maybe like a lot of people, you see this stuff and you're just like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about park factor. But this isn't me talking about it. I mean, this is this is baseball reference. Average park factor is 100. Anything better than 100 and, and the ballpark plays better for hitters. The Mariners, over the course of history, this ballpark is a 94, which is one of the lowest in baseball. Mm-hmm. This year, it's playing at a 92. For both teams or just for the Mariners? Does that, does that it's just, just kind the of park effect? factor. It's just the park. It has nothing to do with the teams. It's the park. Okay. The park suppresses runs by even bigger margin this year than normal. The park. Not yes. the players. Yes. The park. Yeah. I, got, I, I, I mean, I, I hear you. so these things are real. They are true, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it doesn't make it a, a good enough reason for this team to be where they're at. But when you see that and you see the Pythagorean, it is just in some ways even more frustrating of like, my God, they, they really should be right in the thick of all this. 
And instead, they find themselves falling farther behind. Very, very, very frustrating. All right. Uh, we're going to switch gears for a few minutes. We'll come back to this, but we're going to take like an hour off. Uh, other than need to know, we're going to take an hour off of the complaining of all of it. We're going to talk Seahawks for a few minutes. We're going to talk to uh, Kraken coach Dave Haxtall coming up at 830. It'll be a completely different hour. And then we'll get back to complaining at nine o'clock. I promise. Brock and Salk, CL Sports on 710. CL Sports app as well.